0: Last week, we heard about the recruiting process from the players' perspective. But how do college coaches approach this? What's the criteria for a player in their program? I'm Matt Espinoza. Welcome to the Players' Podcast. Today, we sit down with Kip Ione. Kip is the head men's basketball coach at Willamette University in Salem, Oregon. Willamette is a D3 NCAA university. Coach Ion talks extensively about his process for finding basketball players. And if he's doing this at a D3 level, Imagine what coaches at the Division One level are doing to find basketball players. If you're a Division Three head coach, mm-hmm. most people assume that anyone can sign up and just play D3 hoops. It's like, yeah. it's like a you know, come one, it's come all. It's the default level. It's Like, hey, it's D3, you can play. Right, anybody can play that. This is obviously not true. Right. What is the recruiting process like in your program? That's a that's a great question, and this is
1: not to. Belittle you know some people that are, that are trying to play, but this this is still college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to say that Division three is three inches either on your vertical or the spot you can get to laterally compared to a Division one player. Uh, but it's still three inches greater than any high school mm-hmm. opponent you've gone against. So all of our players on our roster, and this is this is, and we're not a team that's won a national championship. So imagine Division three of four hundred and fifty schools. Um, they're all all conference. They're all all state players. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't get us. Scholarship look, or maybe they chose uh, Division three because of the better balance between academics and basketball. That doesn't mean we don't play basketball a lot and have a commitment level to it our recruiting process starts you'll be on our boards the end of your sophomore year going into your junior year mm-hmm. you know right now we actively have 60 juniors that we're recruiting along with the 35 seniors that we've paired a big board of 100 down to um, so our process is year-round 24-7 that we're talking and evaluating players in the next two cl- next two grades so right now 18s and 19s then we'll be in 2019 2020s um, and if you haven't heard from us going into your junior year, there's probably a reason. Not Mm -hmm. because we're the end-all be-all of basketball, but you've been through the filter process and there's something you're not good enough at yet. Mm Uh, and I think you're absolutely right. People assume that, you know, you know what, Division Three is terrible. They're book nerds that show up on the weekends, so I can always drop down to there. Yeah. And that's not true. Number one, you can't get into our school if you don't take care of grades from your sophomore year on. Number two, you probably can't afford our school if you didn't get good enough grades because you can't get the scholarships necessary to come here for $62,000. And just as equally, we've got talented players. You know, on my team alone, and like I mentioned, we're not even the best team in our league yet. Mm-hmm. We've got a starting point guard from San Antonio, Texas. We've We've got a starting two guard from French Polynesian Islands. Okay, we've got a starting post from Denver, Colorado. We've got a starting four from Oakland, California. Like we're going out, and we have Salem kids, and we mm-hmm. have Portland kids. Our Portland kid from Lincoln High School is an all, all PIL player that's a pretty damn good basketball player to make all first team all PIL so um, it's not that we, we're not going to be open-minded and look at a lot of kids but it's a recruiting process that's exceptionally um, detailed because we have to be We you only, not only do you have to be able to score some points for us and guard the basketball but you gotta have a 3.7 and you gotta take an SAT and do well um, and you gotta have a package that works for you so we've got to go through I would say to get to the six guys we just signed we went through 130 players and that's full evaluation, full reference check, full video, live scout, um, a campaign of information about us just to get down to those six that chose us. That's a lot of, gets 124 players that didn't work here. Yep. Yeah.
0: I mean, through the years I've tried to get my guys to you or at least mm-hmm. run them by yeah. you. Hey coach, what do you think of this guy? Can he play? Mm-hmm. And the only guy that I've been able to send you was my best, the best scorer I've coached. He was a unanimous first team player, top five scorer in the state, and he might have been a JV player for you as freshman year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, and he had decent size. Right. So it's not it's not an easy thing to play college basketball at any level, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you, like you said, you don't have those three inches that that you need yeah. to get to the D one. Well, point. I think that's a great in, in thinking about
1: it. Like there's a for a division for a scholarship, you know, D two, um, Division one. There's a lot of questions you got to get a yes on in your skill level. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. You know, that's it's not just can I jump high? It's what you do with it, because they have they can't miss on those full rides. For us, let's say there's twenty-five questions you gotta check off, yes, talent wise at Division One. Division three, there's still twenty-five questions. Yeah. Ten of them are still about talent, but then there's fifteen that are off the court in the classroom that you better have just as much control of, or you can't play here either. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm glad you bring that up because there's a lot of good players that can't play for us for a variety of reasons, Um, and and I think kids miss the boat, they shut the door on themselves in their sophomore year when they decide this math class isn't that important. Mm -hmm. And if they get a C in that math class, you've basically taken Willamette, Linfield, Lewis and Clark, UPS, you've taken all these schools off your table. Of where you could have gone to play with the amount of time you put in the basketball gym Uh, and that's one thing if i I could go around and give a lot of speeches to freshmen it'd be like listen man if i told you hey here's all these doors where you can play college basketball and you slacking in this class is going to close 400 of them i bet a lot of kids would go to that class yeah totally Uh, and that's that's something that you know in general across the country you'd like more kids to realize there are opportunities but there's just as many filters for division three as there are for division one
0: I love that you brought up the 25 questions. And I want to talk about both on the core traits and also the intangible traits mm-hmm. that aren't visible when you're watching somebody play. Let's just talk about basketball first. Mm-hmm. As far as skill set, what are you looking for that tells you somebody can be a college basketball player? First of all, you
1: have to have a skill that jumps out that you're better than your group at. You know, So if I want to get a two guard for us, I'm going to get 22 guards on my board all of them are good shooters. Are there any great ones? They're going to jump right away to the Mm top. Um, You know, in that area, whatever you pigeonhole yourself as, you better have a defining skill set that we give a great grade to. If you don't have one of those, and you better be good in a lot of areas in terms of versatility. So let's say, you know, I'm a two-guard coach, but you could put me at the wing. I mean, you could put me at a kind of a lead guard situation. I could play point for you in a pinch. That might help you. Um, overall for us, every position across the board is can you get your own shot and can you stop the person you're guarding from getting their, stop, their shot. Um, and that takes place in other different ways, you know, depending mm-hmm. on who you are and, and the, the role you're asked to play. But that jumps out to us is can you win space with the ball? You know, it doesn't have to be I'm, I'm a great hezzy cross behind the back guy, but on a you know, shot fake go, you win. Or on a shot, fake, go, you win that first step defensively. Uh, that's a big thing for us because even at our level, guys are getting put in space. And if you can't hold up in space, we, we're helping too much. And the shooting at Division Three is phenomenal. So if I have to help you constantly, we're giving up a catch and shoot, and that's a problem. So um, especially for my program, we switch everything. So you have to be a willing defender, number one. Like, Coach, I have the mindset, no matter where you put me, I'm going to scrap. And he might get a bucket, but he's going to have to earn it. We can, we can deal with that. Um, so as far as that talent part of it, do you have a distinguishable great skill in a single area or do are you have a good grade for us in a bunch of different ones, especially defensively?
0: Players are definitely willing to get in the gym, put in work, and improve skills, but I know there's things you look at that have nothing to do with right. having the ball in their hands or guarding a man. What are some of the intangible things that you notice when you're scouting players that they might not know they're Mm -hmm. doing. Oh, that's that's a great one. Um, I
1: think a thing we send our staff out with is teammate and timeouts. So we go talent, teammate, timeouts. And the talent part, like you mentioned, there's a lot of people that can evaluate talent. You give them a spreadsheet, check this, check his pull up, check his handle, check his slides, whatever. The teammate and the timeout one is is more trained eye. And then, like you mentioned, the kids don't pay attention enough to themselves. So teammate, say knows it gives me a great pass and I get a layup and I did nothing for it besides catch his great pass and finish. And I don't point to you at least and say. Hey, thanks for the pass, or give you a high five, a fist pump, whatever it is they're doing nowadays. Because I'm getting older, um, that's a problem for me. You know, that's something that we have a team rule about. If you don't acknowledge a dime, you're not. You're just kind of a selfish dude. Um, when you're on the bench, you know, and you're not in the game, are you engaged? Uh, when your teammates scored and it had nothing to do with you, are you still there for them? If you give a great pass to a big as a guard and he he bumbles it. Out of bounds, are you a guy that blows him up? Or are you a guy that says, Hey man, I got you, I'm coming right back to you. you, got the next one. We watch your body language. And I know you've you and I have talked about this a lot. Your body language, you might as well be holding up a sign mm-hmm. of who you are, how you carry yourself. Even if it's even if it's hard and you're like, man, I really want to explode, I'm so mad, but you're able to control that, that's something that's a character trait we want on our team. Um and then timeouts is a huge one. If your coach calls timeout, do you walk the huddle, do you jog to the huddle, do you sprint to the huddle? If you're on the bench and there's a timeout call, do you get up and meet the guys as they come off the floor with high fives or are you sulking in the background because you're not in the game? Um, does your decorum change if you're up 30 or down 30? We pay attention to that too. It's really easy to be a good teammate when you're up. What happens when you're getting your butt spanked and we're there in the gym watching? How do you behave? Uh, when the coach pulls you out of the game, do you sit right down next to them to hear what they have to say about why you're out, or do you jump jump to the end of the bench? You don't have to hear it; and you can pout. Um, those things are huge. I know we're not we're not changing the game any means by grading those. I know everybody in, in mm-hmm. our conference, everybody in college basketball, we can't afford to bring in somebody that doesn't fit our culture. Yeah. And you can be a thirty point scorer, and if you're not into being a great man, part of a family, and leaving a legacy of those behaviors. Boy, I'm going to have a hard time recruiting you. And I I think kids should ask themselves, if somebody called my coach after this game, could my coach say, yes, recruit him, even though he went 0 for 15? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a a test for yourself as a player. If I'm terrible in the game skill-wise, would my coach still recommend me? Because it's easy for coaches to say, Coach, he can score. But will he say, Coach, you can trust him? Mm-hmm. Coach, he's loyal. Coach, he's committed to his teammates. I'm telling you, there's a lot of kids that drop off our boards behind the scenes because their coaches or their teachers or their counselors or opponents coaches will tell us, man, Coach, I, just, I know he's talented. I just don't know if he's a team guy. He's off because I have too many options. Yeah. You know, I've got 20 guards for one spot. I'm going to check you off. I'm going to get down to the two that fit us in every facet because that's who I want in my team room.
0: I know something we talked about at camp in our film sessions were somebody's always watching. You know, yeah. film film will expose you on the court mm-hmm. and off. And and a common theme that I've talked to about coaches with is that same thing. Somebody is always watching, mm-hmm. and you might not necessarily be recruiting a kid, but there might be a junior college coach who asks you about them. Yes, and you could say, "Hey, I saw him. Saw him once. Right. Loved him. He mm-hmm. was great teammate." really played his butt off, didn't shoot well that night, i say, you know, take a look at him. Mm-hmm. Or if you go the other way, say he was pouting, mm-hmm. didn't get the ball, hands were in the air, got pulled out of the game, untucked his shirt, looked down at the floor, yep. looked up to his dad. I mean, those things really matter, and one moment could make or break your chance to get to a school absolutely and i think you're 100 right especially now i think a lot of us do
1: opposition research and what that means is it's easy for me to say you had a player at mckay it'd be easy for me to call you and get a positive mm-hmm. recommendation it's your kid you yep. want an, you want the best for him what if i called spray and said what about this number 32 for mckay I'm going to get a pretty good scout from them. Mm-hmm. Not only in terms of skill, but they might say, Coach, you know what, he's one of the kids we, you know, we really respect going against him. You know, He hustles his butt off, but he'll pick our guys up off the floor on a scrap. He's always positive after the game no matter what happened. Or they're going to say, Boy, that kid's a prick. Mm-hmm. And I, that tells a lot about you. I, I know a story from a Division I friend of mine that talks to janitors. He goes to an open gym, and uh, before he leaves, he goes, Hey, you know, it's a John that's the janitor. Do you know Bobby? And if John, what if you're rude? You know, what if you're that guy when you treat certain people yeah. that you think are below you like scum? What if they're the one talking to the coach? So I, I think you're 100% right. Kids today, if I'm saying this at Division Three, imagine yeah. Yeah. the resources capability of a Duke, of an Oregon, mm-hmm. of an Oregon State. Imagine who Definitely. they can get a hold of about you. What is your, what's on film for you in yeah. there?
0: Well, we even had a case recently where you asked me about a guy, yep. and you showed me the numbers he gave you, and I said that's not even close. Exactly. Yeah. And right. I, and that probably shut the door right Done. there. But I couldn't. I couldn't lie to right to support that.
1: And I and I appreciate about you, and I think there's a lot of coaches that, um, as much as they have the interests of their players in mind, they also know their integrity is on the line. Mm-hmm. So we it's a, we get a ton of honesty from coaches. We get good, bad, and the ugly, which is what we want. We, if I get a glaring a hundred points checked off and it's a two-minute conversation I'm not sure he's telling me the truth (laughs) you know so it's coaches at the end of the day have a responsibility to themselves to be truthful because if I get a kid let's say I recruit a kid and I get him from you and I get a completely different person than you told me, I'm never coming back to your program. I'm not gonna do it. However, if you give me a kid and I get everything I need to know, and we have a great, not just because he plays well, but you gave me the heads up on things I need to help him with Mm -hmm. off the floor, I know I can trust you on any scout. Like you said, for your guys or somebody else in your
0: league, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna get the truth from you, and that makes us come back. There's a lot of exposure camps, AAU tournaments, And it's happening at a younger and younger Mm -hmm. ages for all kids. I think all the way down to like eight years old, maybe even younger. At what age do you start to watch players to recruit for your program? We'll start when you're going
1: into your junior year. Uh, So it could be your state tournament when you're a sophomore and your team made it that far. Uh, But definitely the spring and the summer going into your junior year is when we start to really dial and give you a grade. Um, I know Division One is farther down, you know, going into your freshman year, going into your sophomore year, uh, but that's the, they, you know, they, they have more resources mm-hmm. to do it, and, you know, we don't, but still, um, two years ago in your high school,
0: we'll probably have a grade on you. Well, and I've heard you discuss this before, too, the D1 school has kind of set it off, you know, like you said, when the yep. freshmen, the sophomores, if by then they're not on you, you're probably yep, you're not, not going to be at that level. And I think
1: yeah, I think there's a misconception from kids out there that if I play well as a senior in the final week at the Child Center in Oregon, for example, Oregon will see me. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 tournaments turn the same thing. Yeah, they're not there. Um, so this is not to say kids can't play Division One. You can, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of it's based on raw talent, and that's evident early, and they'll be on you early. If you have forty points in your last game as a junior and you still haven't heard from a Division One, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, and that's not. Maybe they missed you. Maybe they didn't. They're not coming. You know, they, they've got their board set way in advance. So now you got to drop down a level to D two. Now you got to drop down a level to D three. I would advise anybody out there, no matter who calls you, it could be the University of the Ocean Pacific that you've never heard yeah. of. I would call them back and be polite Mm -hmm. even if it's not a place you envision yourself going like you mentioned coaches talk college coaches talk like hey man I'm on Jimmy so are you yeah man I can't get that kid to call me back or I get him on the phone he's so rude oh yeah me too that spreads you know once again you're always on film so no matter how you treat coaches even the ones you don't intend
0: on playing for goes a long way when the season ends for a high school player what should they be doing to put themselves in a position to play in college there's a lot of AU tournaments. There's also the option of hiring a skills trainer. What's gonna help them the most, not only improve, but also mm-hmm. be seen by college coaches? I think number one, and this is probably the most important, and hopefully it's yourself, but maybe it
1: is a coach, a trusted you know, family member, a trusted best buddy on the team mm-hmm. that loves you to the truth and t- that's a, I'm stealing that from my assistant coach Willis, loves you to the truth and tells you what you can't do well. Because mm-hmm. if you go work on stuff you're already good at, you're the same guy. So I think if you can find an honest evaluation from whatever source you trust that tells you, these are things you're pretty good at, these are things that aren't good enough yet. Then you have a map, so to speak, of what do I gotta get better at? Now it's up to you to build a workout routine that is efficient in the time it takes you, but the output that it requires you to give. So I think, like we mentioned, you can have a forty-five minute workout on the court and get a lot more out of it than a half-assed two-hour workout. Um, and then I, I would I would imagine if your routine doesn't include the weight room, you're kidding yourself. Because even at our level, games are won and lost with strength. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this last year I can vividly remember our arch rival Linfield beating the hell out of us physically. And it wasn't a skill thing. It wasn't a shooting thing. They're just flat out stronger and pounded us and beat us by eight because we couldn't stop them from the from the glass. Physically, we just couldn't do it. Um, so as a high school player, if you're working on the things that you need to to get better in terms of, like we mentioned before, creating and making your own shot and preventing somebody else from doing that along with upping your strength, I think you're doing the right things. But you have to have an honest evaluation from somebody you trust that what you're bad at. And if you if you if you just refuse to take a look at that, you're lying to yourself and trust me, I'll see it on film. I'll see it when I see you play. And then the next time I see you, let's say it's a year later, you haven't addressed it still, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a hard time keeping you on the board.
0: Well that's huge you said the honest opinion. Because I think There are some really good AAU programs out there. Absolutely. But there are also some that really Mm -hmm. want that money from you. Yes. And they will tell you how good you are Mm -hmm. to get on your team and and hype your parents up that you're going to be a a D1 player or even just a D2 player. Yeah. But you have to have that honest opinion. And Mm -hmm. I think that in order to do that, you also have to have some honest self-reflection. Yes. When you watch film. Like, I can't go left. Yeah. I've watched 30 games, and I have Mm -hmm. not drooled my left hand yet. You have to have that honest self-reflection in addition to outsiders telling, and I
1: think that's a great point. How many kids actually watch themselves on film for the bad? Because we, you and I both know Instagram. Mm-hmm. We both got Instagram. both got Twitter. We both. Everybody puts their highlights up. Mm-hmm. How many people are watching their lowlights? you know you do know, I'm not saying you have to broadcast that hey look at me mm-hmm. being terrible but you better have a reel for yourself yeah. that you watch like you know what that's something i have got to fix and if you're not if you're skipping over the times you got blown by if you're skipping over the times like you mentioned you got forced left and couldn't do anything that yeah. way what if you you're skipping over the times you missed a pass What's your decision making capability? Um, then I, I just, I don't think you're living in a shell and you're gonna be the same player. Especially in the game settings like you mentioned where you're playing 85 games, that's awesome. If you're the same player all 85 games, how did you get better? You didn't. So uh, it's it's a challenge. I'm not saying it's easy for kids because they're getting pulled to play on these teams but sometimes you, the garage, a hoop, and a ball is a better day than mm-hmm. another five
0: on five game. Definitely. When I was graduating high school, I still had the VHS technology. <laughs> Some people had DVD. Yeah. But this online stream wasn't, wasn't ready yet. Right. Nowadays, and I'm sure you could tell me the exact number, you probably receive hundreds of, mm-hmm. whether it's highlights or games, yep. from kids who want to play in college. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for high school players who do want to be seen and want to send film how can they ensure that they're sending film that coaches Perfect. want to see? That's, a, that's an awesome question because even at my
1: level, you're right, I, we probably get 17 to 18 film submissions a day. Some of them are for kids that are already on our board, some of them are kids that want to be on our board, mm-hmm. some of them are from recruiting services that want us to look at a kid and that's at a division 3 school. Times that by a week. I mean, it's it's getting silly. So, the best method and we send this out to juniors, but I'm glad you're putting it on the podcast. If you take your best game because we're not nobody's an idiot. Don't don't send us yeah. your worst game. But take your best game and with today's tech, cut it into every possession you're involved offense, defense, made, miss, assist, turnover, rebounds, deflections, every segment of that game. So maybe it ends up being five minutes, but it's not a true highlight film in the sense that, let's say you send me a highlight film with 30 made threes and I notice that it's from 12 different games and I see the scoreboard in some of those games, you're getting your butt stomped and you mixed in one make and one game and spliced them all together, I'm gonna drop you, even if I watch it. Now, you'd say, coach, this is my best game versus our best opponent, here's everything I did in this four and a half minutes. We're gonna watch that, we're gonna grade it highly because that'll, that'll give us a pretty good feel for you in a setting um, against a highly rated team and with everything you can possibly do on the floor. Now, that might lead us to, hey, you're on our board, we're sold, let's go. Or it might just say, hey, you know what? There's enough here, let's get him on our viewing schedule in, this, in the live session this summer. Let's make sure we get to his high school game as a junior to get another grade. It all depends on how we feel, but that's gonna get in front of our staff. We got four on our staff. We'll watch a five minute clip, no one in America Division one, Division two, Division three. When you send us a full game, hour and twenty-five minutes, no one watches that game. It's the easiest to do. I realize that for families, it's the easiest to get that one thing and send it. No one's watching it. We, We we don't have the time in our day. You send me your best game cut. I'll watch it that second online. Oh, here. Make sure you label the number that you are in the jersey color you're wearing. And it sounds simple, but we get so many. If you don't tell me, and you say this is Patrick Jones. Here you go, I don't know who you are, Patrick. I really don't, and it's hard. Sometimes the quality of the film's different. Mm -hmm. I can't match up your picture with, tell me number 22 in the white, Patrick
0: Jones. Then we can find you, then we can get a grade. Let's say I'm a senior. I haven't got any looks, Mm -hmm. no letters, nothing. Nobody's calling for me. I'm more of a role player, I'm a high school team. But I really believe in myself, Mm -hmm. and I believe that maybe I played a lesser role than I could have had I, you know, whether transferred to a smaller school or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm real sensitive about this because that was my situation. Yeah, yeah, right. And I got really lucky in the way things felt for myself to be able to play. hmm What advice do you have for this senior who maybe yeah. maybe they grew later right. in their career? Late bloomer, overlooked. Late bloomer, hasn't been looked at, still has a lot of room for improvement. I think there's
1: a couple of different
0: options. Number one, it helps for
1: somebody else to tell your story. Mm-hmm because it's, it's, there's a lot of kids that can say the same thing, like this yep. happened, it doesn't help your cause with me to bash your high school coach and say, he didn't take advantage of me, that yep. really doesn't help. Now, if a high school coach says, hey, I got Matt Espinoza, I think he's a late bloomer, here's the role we asked him to, and so it's not gonna show out on stats, but he shined in that role, mm-hmm. I'm gonna listen to that coach. Could be your club coach too, could be your AU guy, but I need a coach to tell me why your numbers are what they are, or what the story is for you to be a late bloomer. If that's not doable, you can some some coaches will let you come to open gym to get an eval from their players. Hey, coach, this kid's not bad. I would contact JUCOs to start with because mm-hmm. they're later in the, Not that the quality of junior college is bad; it's still very good basketball. But their recruiting timeline is typically later than ours. You know, we want to be done with our group by March. D1s want to be done in the signing period, what, January, February? Um, JUCOs will wait a little bit just to see who trickles down and is available. So there might be roster spots open at places. I think some D3s, like ourselves, have a JV program. So on your end, researching what's the number of roster spots Willamette has. Let's say it's 21, and I know they have 17. Maybe there's still openings. Then that helps you to call, to say, Coach, how can I get anything in front of you for a shot? Um, other than that, I think the JUCO route is best because then you can go prove yourself at a good level of competition mm-hmm. and get another coach to talk about you—a yep. brand new viewing, a brand new setting. Um, and you're obviously there's there's something to be said for JUCO kids that work their tail—that's like, going through the grind a little bit, that's mm-hmm. paying your dues to get a chance back up at a four-year institution. Yep. So I think those are some paths. But like I said, it all I. I can't tell you the number of stories we get from kids that say, "I got screwed here. The coach did this yeah. to me." I'm not going any farther with you because even if that's true, it's hard for the, in the coaching brethren. We're human. If you're bashing one coach, I'm going to yep. assume you exactly. I'm going to be on that list later on. Mm-hmm. So if you can say, "Coach, my name's Jim," I'm going to have my high school coach contact you. He has, you know, he can tell you a little bit more yep. about me. I'm just looking for a chance of any kind that helps you know we'll at least listen i still might say man i just don't have the spots yeah. um sometimes it's you got to go be a manager sometimes you know i mean that there's a director of operations there's a video yeah. job um
0: and that's a way to get your foot in the door and at least get your work ethic proved well the longer i am around coaching i'm starting to understand how rare my story was right. and it's not common and, right and i thought coming you know when i started coaching that It would be more common for some of my seniors who maybe developed late to Mm -hmm. be able to get a spot. Coaches, Mm -hmm. they don't really give chances that much. Right, and I think it circles back to what we talked about. Somebody's always watching, Mm -hmm. and in my case, the the coach that was willing to give me a chance called four coaches I played against. Yeah, and they all gave him good reviews. Exactly, isn't that huge? And so, you didn't know
1: those four coaches were going to do that for you. No, you didn't pay I, them to be your scout. I still don't know their names, <laughs> right? <laughs> but don't. that's we do that. We yeah. absolutely we have to because I think people got to remember as a recruiter. It's still an unknown. It's an unknown you absolutely have to have turned into something good. So as coaches, we're in this business because we like control. Yeah. And we try to control variables as much as we can and rec- recruit is a huge variable. So the more opinions I get outside of my own and even my staff, the more we feel comfortable saying, yes, add him to our mix. But if we only have your word and everything else is telling us the stats aren't there, the minutes played aren't there, the recommendations aren't there, and it's just you, I mean, just say that out loud. There's not a lot of humans that are gonna they're gonna jump on it. And they're, sure, there might be some that work out, but more often than not, there's a reason only you are selling you. Mm-hmm. You gotta get some other people in your corner. I think that comes back to, like you said, the trust in the the, the loving people to the truth. Who's doing that for you? Yeah. The sooner they can, I think the sooner you can avoid being left out with nobody in your corner.
0: It's time for the Three Point Play. Three questions putting our guest on the spot. Here we go. What's one book every athlete needs to read? The happiness advantage
1: and it sounds like most i'm sure some people give some sports books this is simply a mental approach to living and, and it sounds cheesy because it's called happiness but at the end of the day that's what we all want and th- it's not just this fluffy cliche smile in the face of adversity it's actually scientific research from harvard from the ivy league from mit about the benefits to having a positive outlook on life in the production you have. So it's not like I'm happy because I have money. No, I got money because I was a happy person and that allowed me in business and you can transfer that to sports to be more productive. Like I work well with people because I, I, we interact that's not, that's not a bad thing. It's, it's good. To, it, so I, I couldn't recommend it more. It's revolutionized how we go about things in our day-to-day. And this is coming from a guy. We just had a terrible season, but I couldn't be more excited about where we're going because I finally read this, and it's not MF in the world. And, and you know, once again, the grind culture, mm-hmm. it, it's finding a way to do things better with a smile on your face. What's the first thing an athlete should do when they wake up in the morning? I think the first thing you should do is be sure you're honest with yourself when you're getting up. I think that you can start lying to yourself. I'm going to get up at 7 and I get up at 7.20. It's a slippery slope to 9, slippery slope to 10. And if you lie to yourself about what time you wake up, you're going to start lying to yourself about a lot of other things later on. So that's that's my biggest thing is if I say I'm getting up at 8, and you can ask my wife because sometimes she has to be the one that snaps me to it. <laughs> um, if I say I'm getting up at 6, i got to be honest to myself. Otherwise, set the damn alarm for 6.30 because you start lying to yourself about when you wake up, you'll lie to yourself about your workouts, your work ethic, the tasks you have to get done. Start with the time you're waking up. What's the last thing an athlete should do before they go to bed? Best thing that I've ever come across is make a list. You can write it down, you can type it, you can just say it to somebody else. What are five awesome things that happened to me today? And what you'll find is, in the beginning, it's really hard to come up with five, just because naturally we all have a pessimistic outlook. And it could have been a terrible day, but eventually what you'll find is you live that day looking for great things. You live that day, going, man. Me and Nosa talking today. That's got to be in my top five tonight. Or me, that burger I just had. It's got to be. <laughs> suddenly, you're looking for the times during your day that were fun and it were a positive for you, rather than, oh, I'm getting screwed again. Oh, life's kicking me in the tail. Um, and I went to that probably six months ago after this season we had, and I was just my cloud of negativity was on everybody around me, and I changed. I switched to this. I didn't want to because it sounded corny, but I started doing it, and suddenly I was like, man. My kid just said this to me, which was like a one sentence, thanks, daddy. That makes my top five. It's so, that, at the end of the day, you're like, holy cow, that was a really good day. Suddenly, that was a really good week. Suddenly, that's a really good three weeks. You find yourself being somebody people want to be around rather than, oh, here comes doom and gloom. Here comes the sea of sadness, kip, I
0: own. I don't think you ever want to be that person. So, what do you think now about planning college? Do you still feel like you're ready for the transition? How can you excel in your current situation to stand out to coaches at the next level? The Players Podcast is brought to you by the Salem Hoops Project. The Salem Hoops Project provides free basketball training to boys and girls in Salem, Oregon. It's our firm conviction that no child should be limited in athletic opportunities because of financial restraints. Connect with us more on Instagram at Salem Hoops Project or visit SalemHoopsProject.org to learn more about our organization.